this evening we are not going to go too far from Thursday last week because I sense the Lord still wants us to kind of focus on this very important thing. It's about uh, trusting God, believing his word. So our topic tonight is idle words or God's word. Idle words or God's words. Luke chapter 24 verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle pearls, and they believed them not. They believed them not. As a way of introduction, we need to understand that our only way to relate with God, we do not see, is through his word. That is the only way we can possibly relate and interact with God when we do not see him, have never seen him. We never see him in this earthly life. But he is real. God is. He told us that he and his words are one. What he says is what he does. That's the only way you can know him and understand his activities. From what he says, because nobody can also know him apart from himself. And his spirit who knows him and reveals God to us through his word. Reveals the reality of the unseen God through his word and the works he does. His word and the works he does. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. So if you want to know God, you need to really take particular interest in the word of God. Because if the word was God and the word was God, then the word will reveal God to us. And God will not act outside his word because that will make him a liar. He will not violate his word at all. So his word is what reveals to us what God does, what God did, what God is going to do. And in knowing, in knowing his word, you know the character of God. You know the reality of God. And you can relate with him via his word. Now, for example, he said to us, nobody comes to, to God or has any relationship with God except through faith in Jesus Christ. But you know, there are many who are trying everything except that. They are doing everything they can. I don't know how they hope to get past Christ. I don't know how, but it looks impossible because God says, you can't come to me except through Christ Jesus. You can't come to me via your goodness, via your whatever, via this one, through this one. You're not going to come there. Nobody comes to the Father except by Christ. But some people will not believe that. They think they can, they can walk their way through that, give their way through that. I don't know how they want to bypass Christ, but that's their own business. He told us again that our righteousness can never add up for God. He says all our righteousness is fifty right. And he said the only thing that adds up for God is the righteousness of Christ, which he gives us as a gift. But again, there are people who will not believe that because they don't understand that the word of God reveals the character of God and reveals what God does, what God accepts, the way God works. They want to circumvent the world and invent their own thinking. So they want to bring their own righteousness to God. So you see, we have all these kind of things going on. It is, very, it is true that many well-meaning Christians are struggling with believing God's word. Many, many are struggling with believing God's word. It's a major challenge to a lot of people. They have not been seeing the reality of God's word. Let me put it simply. It hasn't worked for them. doesn't work for them. Their prayer, prayer does not work. 
And, you know, they don't see the reality of God in their life. They're growing weary and growing discouraged. Yet the word of God works all the time. And God is real. So, but like we said, it's only through God's word and acting on God's word, believing in what God has said, that you can relate with God and see the reality of God. Romans 4, 16 says, The promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. And now it extends to all the descendants of Abraham. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, but also to those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father, for in God's presence, he believed our example. He believed our example. He believed that God can raise the dead. In other words, he believed that God is. And because he's God, he can do anything. That God can raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist yet. See, he believed that God is. And because he's God, if he says a thing, that's what he does. Regardless of any situation around that God can raise the dead and God can call those things that you don't see as if they were. And the Bible says he's an example to us. Against all odds, when he looked hopeless, Abraham believed. When he looked hopeless, he believed. Why? He says God is God, can do all things. Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. Why? He is God. He was relating with God through his word. He was relating with God through his word. He is God. So against all us, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. He took the word of God as the word of God. He took it as the word from God. You read your Bible, you take it as the word of God, the word from God. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. The Bible says, this is an example. How you relate with God through his word. He is God. He can do all things. He says it. That's it. Against all odds, you stand there because God is God. Because God can do all things, nothing can stop God. So he says as a result of that, the word of God became reality in his life. Became, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. Came to pass. Why? He was relating with God through his word. He took God as his word. He said, this is God's word. And God can do anything. If God said it, that is it. Regardless of all odds around, God will never lie. And he saw it come to pass. So this kind of faith comes by hearing that word of God. If you are relating with God through his word, then faith to relate comes by hearing that word of God. The scripture says the gospel of Jesus Christ, because he's the author and finisher of our faith. is the foundation of everything we're doing with God. There's no other foundation except that which is laid, which is Christ himself. Yet, people still found it difficult to believe the word of God. And John wrote about this difficulty. This difficulty has always been. In, in Rome, um, in, um, sorry, Paul, sorry, Paul wrote about it, not John. Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 10, verse 16. Listen to Paul. But not everyone welcomes the good news. Not everyone. 
Not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our messages? That would be Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who has believed our messages? Yes, they have. They have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. This message is being preached everywhere. But who has believed it? It says not everyone. Not everybody that sits in church. Not everybody that says a Pentecostal. Not everybody that says I'm born again. Not everyone welcomes the word of God. It's a major issue. Because faith is revealed by action and by words. James 2.20. He said, you fool, do, do you want to be shown that faith without actions is useless? 26, James 2, 26. So then, as the body without the spirit is dead, also faith without action is dead. Our actions reveal what we really believe. Our actions. When the chips are down, we fall back to our, our comfort zone, which is the mental and natural things that we, we trust if the, if the natural things can't resolve it, we fall apart. We fall apart. And we say it's being wise. Well, it's being wise, but that's not the divine wisdom. That's a kind of wisdom that doesn't work. It's not divine wisdom. Divine wisdom is the word of God. It's what Abraham did. We fall apart easily, very quickly. And then we start rationalizing. Say, Pastor, I believe you. Let me say it again. You cannot re- relate with God outside of believing his word. It's not going to happen. And that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So the difficulty we have is blamed on three things we're going to look at. Number one is the, the body of theological teachings that have been going on for centuries in the body of Christ is part of the problem. Number two is the New Holds group of preachers who are preaching Moses, who are followers of Moses, who say they are Pentecostal, Therefore, as of Moses, they're teaching the way that we never produce faith in anybody because faith comes in trust in Christ. Number three is demonic blinding that stops the Christian from understanding the word of God and from believing it. These three factors, you want to look at them. The, the first one is this, this group of people that arose from European theological schools, they have the school of this, school of that, school of this person, school of this person. And then they started to write all these book, big books, fat books that they have theological schools all over the place. So they started all the theological institutions. Some of the big universities also came out of that. So they have different schools of thought, different school of thought, and all those people writing those things became the authority of the church instead of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. So they deviated immediately from Scripture and started depending on books written by men who who say we we know God. So all those things began to lay foundation for loss of faith in the Bible. That up to now, some... Big, big denominations do not believe the Bible. As I'm talking to you, many people who preach, this, the, who preach the word of God, many of them don't believe the Bible. As I'm talking to you, many Bible colleges in this country where we live have atheists as teachers. Atheists don't even believe in God are teaching people who will be pastors. You want to ask, what is he going to teach but it's okay. Why? Because they moved away from the scripture as, as, the, as the basis of truth to men. 
So whether you know God or not doesn't matter. It affected the body of Christ severely until God sent a man of revelation called Martin Luther. And Martin Luther came and told them the just must live by faith. He was bringing them back to faith in Christ. They almost killed him. Because what he was saying is not what they were teaching. Christ was no more the foundation of faith. It is all those fat theological books that they were writing. And churches began to fail because the spirit of God will not work, will not confirm lies, will not confirm the wisdom of men. So you go to many of these big cities all over Europe, all over America, all over the world. You see, all they will show you is cathedrals that are today tourist attraction. That's all. It's tourist attraction and they collect money from it because they're all gone. They were based on human, humanistic teaching, not on the Bible, the revealed truth of the word of God. That's one of the things that laid this foundation that's affecting denominations today, affecting so many denominations today. Number, look at Isaiah 8.20. Look to God's instruction and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. Such things were out of the dark. They even had the gods today to even contradict the word of God, challenge the word of God. They don't even, they don't hide in it anymore. Some of these denominations have rewritten their own Bible, cut off this, cut off that. Some have removed the blood of Jesus. Some have all manner of things they're doing coming from that background. Then we have the law teachers. They're everywhere. Fullers or Moses. All they teach is the laws of Moses. They outrightly reject the, the New Testament teaching of grace. They insist that the salvation must include what man does and that the only righteousness acceptable to God is the righteousness achieved by men. So they encourage people to try harder to please God. Otherwise, they will not be acceptable to God. And even some of them go further to say, see, when you die, there is going to be a book waiting for you. When you come up there, they will bring out the book and then score you. You know, if you, if you are, I don't know, I don't know what they get this, is. score you, and they score, it, you know, if your goodness is not good enough, you are not going to heaven. So going to heaven is decided after you die. That's what they teach people. And it's popular. Look at what the scripture says. John 3, 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And we quote these things, we don't believe them. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Repeated twice. In verse 15, in verse 16, when the Holy Spirit repeats something, that thing is important. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You're not waiting until you die. If you believe now, you will perish. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. You are not waiting until you die. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Okay? Judgment over. Is condemned already. Why? Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Case closed. You don't wait until you are not sure until you die. So, so, so they discount Christ completely. Discount the cross totally. This is a church without Jesus. That's not Christian. So they follow the laws of Moses as if Christ never came, as if the cross doesn't even exist, as if Jesus did nothing, as if his coming is just mere waste of time. But look at what the scripture says about that kind of things. 
Romans 10.5. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all the commandments of God. But what they forget is that we are all born in sin. The sin of Adam brought death upon all men. We are all sinners coming from the sin of Adam to start with. And then the iniquity in us, the nature we have, the sinful nature we have. You can't behave your way out of that. You must be born again. You must be made a new creature. If you are not born again, you are not going to anywhere called heaven. You, that nature of sin must be cut off. The Bible says in Adam all die. So pushing people to do this and do that so that they be accepted by God discounts the work of grace which Jesus did to save us, to deliver us from damnation. In Romans 3.20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. But this is what people teach. No one by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. This is scripture. Even Galatians 3.10 I just read the Galatians 3.20. Galatians 3.10. But those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under his curse. You see why? They will never have faith, can't believe. Nothing works. They're under his curse. For the scripture says, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Have you seen anybody who obeyed all the commands, everything 100%? And Paul rejected this kind of teaching that discounts Christ, discounts every work of the grace. In Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is what people push people to produce. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, relating with God through his word by faith, faith in Christ. The righteousness, which is of God by faith. Paul said, that's the one I want. I don't want all these ones. And he gave a wonderful testimony about the work of grace that Jesus accomplished for us, that changed us made us new creatures, and gave us new ability to live the life of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But God's amazing grace has made me what I am. So when you reject this grace of God, and you're pushing people, pushing people, pushing people, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what is the faith? This pushing, 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 pushing. Based on what? Based on their own you know, self-will, power, and all those kind of things. That's not Bible. It's of faith. So that it shall be by grace. It is Christ that walketh in us, not you. you there's no scripture says be strong in your strength and the power of your might. The scripture says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So by grace, by works it does, works of grace, he will make you what you should be. For without him you can do nothing. So Paul described this kind of bunch of preachers in 1 Timothy 1.7. They want to be known as teachers of the Lord of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about. Even though they speak so confidently, they don't know what they are talking about. They don't focus people on the finished work of Calvary, done for the glory of man. They don't. You will hear it. Giving freely to man for his salvation. They violate with impunity the scriptures that teach about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet every church, every service, everything they end their service, they say, let's share the grace. And they share the grace which they reject, which they don't even want to talk about. Let's share the grace. They share the grace. Everywhere share the grace. We share the grace. We share the grace. And teach about grace. Teach about the value of grace. Grace is what God brought to you free. The new life. The new nature. The new ability. The crisis in you. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 2.4. 
God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us with the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. See, saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted. You, you, you will not be seeing what God did, what God did, what God did, what God did. What, that's what you'll be seeing. That's the New Testament. What God did, what God did, what, which you believe. You relate with God by faith in his word. He shows you by his word, this is what I did, this is what I did, this is what I did. You believe, it becomes reality in your life. Believe, only believe, you will see. Only believe, you will see. Now he's giving us records of what God did for you, for you, you, you that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me start it again, Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God still loved us with great love. He is, he is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us with the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up from Christ with Christ, the exhausted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. See what God is doing. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness. The visible display, visible display of the work of his grace and kindness. Paul said, yes, that great grace made me what I am. What you are seeing today is the visible display of the works that Christ did in my life through his death, burial, and resurrection, through which he gave me a new life. It is no longer I that live it. It's Christ that lives in me. Don't push me to do this. Don't push me to do that. I live by faith in Christ. He can do all things. My confidence is the Son of God. He's my life. He's my all and all. And he says, see what he's doing. See the new life. See Christ in me. Christ in me. See what he produced. So in verse, um, in verse 8, this Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could earn this salvation. For it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one, ever, no, no one will ever be able to boast. For salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are now joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we will do, we will do to fulfill it. So the truth focuses you on Christ Jesus, from whom your life comes, your ability comes, success comes, healing comes, restoration comes, wisdom comes, revelation comes. You focuses you on that. This is what these teachers are denying Christians. And without focusing on Christ, you will not have faith. Romans 10 says, 10, 10, it says, this faith comes by hearing the words of Christ, the words of Jesus, the foundation of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith. How can you have faith without Christ? Faith in what? Faith in yourself? John 1:16. For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received. All had a share and we, we are all supplied with. This is what Christ does. Out of his abundance, out of his fullness, out of his abundance, out of his life, 
out of his, out of his blessings, we have all received, all of us, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift, for why the law was given through Moses, we didn't give us these things, grace on hand, undeserved favor and spiritual blessings, which comes through Christ, and, and truth came through Jesus Christ. He said, see what this grace does. He says, for out of his fullness, his abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were supplied with, what were we supplied with? One grace after another, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift. Why? For why the law was brought, given through Moses, grace, this grace, this grace that heaps upon you and me unmerited favors of new life, new power, new revelation, new understanding, exhorting us to sit with Christ. All these unmerited things came through grace, came through Christ. Teachers of the law will not teach this. So how do people have faith? Is it not when you hear these things, you start believing them, they start working for you? And the scripture says to focus on Jesus Christ, Hebrews 12, 1. As for us, we have all of these great greatness, witness who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. How? Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. How? Verse 2. Tells us that we look away from the natural realm. That's how you run. That's how you overcome these things that befall you. You look away. He didn't say you run it by your, your self-will, by your strength. But no, you look away from the natural realm because there's no help coming from. Vain is the help of man. The arm of flesh will fail you. You look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and the expectation unto Jesus who battered faith within us. Faith is our victory. Faith is your victory over sin, over the devil, over sickness, over the world. Who is it that overcome this world? But those who believe in the Son of God, who believe that Jesus is Lord. That's what the scripture is saying. You overcome these things that easily overtake you and these things that bother you by focusing on Jesus who bats faith. Faith bats it, produces it, gives birth to it. It produces faith in you. And that faith is your victory. That faith produces activity that that word produces in your life. The reality. So who bats faith within us and who leads us forward in faith's perfection? His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you will be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. Now, six exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So you too can overcome and conquer through the faith that Christ gives you. Faith is your victory. Faith is your victory. Without this faith that Christ brought in you, you can't please God. You can't do those things that God wants you to do. I'm talking about these teachers who teach the law. They are the ones causing people not to develop faith. And people who got all this bunch of law background things, it's so difficult for them because they keep going back to all those law things. Finally, there is the blinding of demonic spirit that will not let people understand the word of God. Second Corinthians 4.3. 
If the good news we preach is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. There is demonic blinding. They are unable to see the glorious light of the gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. They don't understand. The devil has blinded them. But the thing that opens the door to demonic blinding is lack of interest. It's lack of interest. Second Thessalonians 2 9. The presence of the outlaw is apparent by the activity of Satan, who uses all kinds of counterfeit miracles. Those of you who follow miracles, you should be reading scriptures to understand this. He uses all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, spurious wonders, and every form of evil deception in order to deceive those who are perishing. Why? Why? Because they rejected the love of the truth. That is why he's able to blind people. That is why their choice is the choice they made. They made the choice to be a victim of demonic delusions. They don't have love for the truth. They're not interested in it. They're lethargic to the truth. Because they rejected the love of the truth that will lead them to being saved. Now, because of their choice, this God now sends them a powerful delusion that leads them to believe what is false. God says, okay, this is your choice. I honor your choice, respect your choice. That's what, the, that's what happens. When we don't have love for the world, we don't have love for the world, demons have a fertile ground to walk, period. Satan can walk if you, if you don't want. You can't. You can resist him. You can resist him. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ teaches this thing in Matthew 13, 10. Let's see what Jesus teaches about what we are talking about. Remember, we're trying to locate why is it that many Christians just are struggling with believing the word of God. Many years in church, they can't believe God for healing. Can't believe God for anything. Many years as a Christian, they they can't. There's no power. And yet they speak in tongues. This is a reality. Serious reality. And a lot of things, perplexing things around their life, they sweep it under the carpet because they don't want to talk about it. So they don't look like they are, they are not gingim Christian. But that's self-deceit. You should talk about it. You should go to your pastor and discuss this. Matthew 13, 10. Then his disciples approached Jesus and asked, Why do you always speak to people in these hard-to-be-understood parables? Remember now, his disciples had interest to learn, to understand. So they went to Jesus to ask. They had the option of not asking, like some people do. They have the option of not even bothering. They don't invest in the word of God. They don't invest. They don't ask. They don't go to Jesus to find out. They don't study it. They're not interested. So now they went in verse 11. He explained, listen to his explanation. He explained, you have been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. So you have been given this thing because you are interested, but they are not interested. In verse 12, for everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open heart, teachable heart, even the understanding they think they have, will be taken from them. They are in a demonic delusion. They think they know it. They think they have it. Oh, 
it is, it is, it is, it is mental ascent that the devil has crafted and showed to the church, which has put many people in the church are neutral. They think they have it because they quote scripture, because they preach scripture, because they talk scripture. They think they have it. But there is no corresponding result in their lives. There is none. But they have settled because they think. And Jesus said they don't have anything. They think they have will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables because they think they, think they are looking for the truth. Then let's listen to the Lord. They think they are looking for the truth yet because their hearts are unteachable. They never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they will never fully perceive the message I speak. They sit in the church and listen to me, but they will not perceive it because they are not teachable. There's no desire. They think they have it all. Think they know it. Verse 14. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, brethren, listen to the Lord. They listen carefully to every night I speak. They don't understand the thing I say. They look and pretend to see it, but their eyes of their hearts are closed. They pretend. 15, their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and their heart of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. All this while they listen attentively, attentively, Jesus said, don't worry about that. They have deliberately shut their heart to the truth. They have no love for the truth. They are not intending to respond to it. They have no plans whatsoever. So they deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, otherwise, they will open their eyes to see. And they are the ones who open to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. So it's their choice. Then they will turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Then they will turn to me. All this thing will bring them into a relationship with me, direct relationship with me. You relate with God through his word. But they, they think it's, they can find another way, whatever they have in mind, I don't know. But Jesus said, when you give attention to my word, when you understand it, you begin to, it will direct you to me personally. You will bring you to me in a relationship with me, and then your faith will be activated and then you see healing, you see answer to prayers, you see, you see the reality of that word that Christ guarantees us. But I'm telling you, many Christians are struggling with believing God, with having faith in the word of God. Telling you the truth, telling you the absolute truth. Verse 16. He's not talking to his disciples. He said, but your eyes are privileged for they see. Delighted are your eyes Yes, for they are open to hear all these things. You decided, you opened your ear, you came to me to ask. You have a desire. 17. Many prophets and godly people in times past yearned to see these days of miracles that you've been favored to see. They would have given everything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear. Yet, they didn't get, it, get to see as much as a glimpse, or hear even a whisper. Now you are, the, you are ready to listen to the revelation of the parable of the soil and his seed. They wanted to know. They asked Jesus. They invested their time. They made effort to hear. And Jesus said, you are ready. You will hear it. Remember, Mary 
and the Berean church example. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 39. Luke 10, 38 to 39. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman called Jesus, welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guest. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should, have, you should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered that Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away, pulled away by all these many distractions of life? Pulled away. 42, Mary has discovered one, the one thing, most important thing in your life. Discovered it by choosing choice. Choosing. He said to the disciples, you chose. These people didn't choose. You chose. Choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. She's not coming to help you. The food she's getting is more important than what you're cooking in your kitchen. This will give her a relationship with me, which is primary. Every other thing I will add to her. All this run around, I will add to her. Berians, Acts 17, 11. They found that, they found that the Jews of Beria were of more noble character and much more open-minded than those of Thessalonica. They were hungry to learn and eagerly receive the word. Hungry to learn, eagerly receive the word. Every day to open the scrolls of scripture to search and examine them to verify that what Paul taught them was true. This is why many can't believe this word. The seat, Jesus said, don't worry about their sitting. They are not interested in it. Don't worry about it. all that looking at you. They are not interested in it. And let's continue. Matthew 13 verse 19. The seed that fell on, on the beating path represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes. You see, the devil is interested. Adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. He didn't understand. He didn't bother to understand. They can't understand. The disciples of Jesus they came and said, we don't understand this thing. We need to know. They went further to search. Paul prayed, God, open our eyes. If you desire, that's a teachable heart. So he says, if he doesn't understand it, the adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Verse 20, the seed sown on the gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. 21, shortly after he hears it, troubles, persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. Then he quickly falls away. He starts believing God for healing. The, 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 the conditions get worse. He said, I thought God healed me. Ah, oh, I thought God healed me. This thing is not working. How can it work? How can it work? In the Bible says you should persevere, endure to the end, to wear the crown. How can it work? It's shallow. It's shallow. They quickly fall away. For the truth didn't sink deeply into their heart. I want you to look at that. He said, let me read verse 21 again. Shortly after he hears it, Troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. Then he quickly falls away. Why? 
For the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. Didn't understand it. Didn't sink deeply into his heart. Then look at Luke chapter 9 verse 44. Look at what Jesus said. Luke 9 44. Let this saying sink down into your ears. If it doesn't, you won't have faith. It won't work. Second Peter 1.19. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophet. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like lamps shining in a dark place until there has to be an until when that light pierces until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. Let it sink deep. How does it do, How does it do that? First Timothy 4.15. Meditate upon these things. Day and night. Dwell on it. Dwell on it. Day and night. Meditate. Give thyself wholly to them. Jesus said that is the number one thing in our life. Relationship with Christ. Through his word. It will bring you to me. I will heal you instantly. I will provide instantly. I will guide instantly. I will instruct instantly. Because that's why he came. Matthew 13, we continue verse, verse 22. The seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions. His divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and preventing him from bearing spiritual food. Proverbs 4.20 says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my word. Don't let them out of your sight. Never stop thinking about them. Don't let this word distractions take it away from you. Verse 22. These words are the secret of life. That's why Jesus said, this woman has found, discovered the primary thing, the secret of life and health to all who discover it, many discovered. And this is what I need. See this thing Jesus is teaching? This is what I need. Above everything. Verse 23. Above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. Hebrews 2.1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we've had or we may drift away from it. Faith is not coming when you drift away from it, when you have forgotten it. Because you have so many things, your mind is going around. And you come to church, your mind is not even in service. Your mind is not even there. Matthew 13, 23. As for the seed that fell upon good, rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear, first of all hear, and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom reign. Their lives bear good fruit. It, it, it shows in their life. It produces in their life. Their lives show the reality of that word. Bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was soon. Can you imagine that? Mary and the Bereans fall into this group. You too can fall into this group if you have discovered. As Jesus said, Mary chose the most. He said, I won't stop her. Even though what they are cooking people, but I'm not going to stop her. This choice she made is the most important thing. Connects. She, she relates with me through this world. Connects with God through this world. Walks with God through this world. Allows God to demonstrate his reality, his power, his goodness in her life through this world. So a renewed mind is a transformed life. Transformed from sick to healed, from failure to success, from confused to purposeful, from shame to glory, from powerless to powerful, from a loser to a winner. 
all through changing what you think as the word of God reveals to you how God changed your life in Christ. Jesus made you a masterpiece of creation, an overcomer, a modern conqueror, a priest, a peculiar person, a man that carries God, a temple of God, a person that is seated on the table with God where Jesus is seated, a human who can act like God because he has the spirit of God in him, who can, who can do all things that Jesus did because Jesus lives in him. He's Son of God. The word of God moves you from doubt and unbelief to faith and power. To faith and power. To faith and power. To faith and power. A revelation of the glory of God. You will see the activity. The glory of God is the activities of God. All those things that God did in Christ, they are the glory of God being revealed. Those things manifesting in your life is the glory of God being revealed. But you see it only through believing the word, the testimony of the Holy Spirit concerning Christ, concerning Jesus, concerning not Moses. There's nothing about Moses that gives you faith. Nothing about Moses talks of your salvation. Nothing about Moses talks of healing for you. Nothing about Moses talks of deliverance for you. Nothing about Moses talks of victory for you. Nothing, nothing. It's only in Christ. Brought grace. So of his fullness now, we are receiving Grace of, I need to read that scripture before I close. Of his fullness, we are receiving abundance, grace upon grace, blessings upon blessings, all of us. But that has to be through faith. I think that is faith John 1, faith John 1, 16. For out of his fullness, his abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift. For why the law was given through Moses, which didn't give us these things, grace unmerited, undeserved favor, and spiritual blessings and truth came through Christ, which brought us these things. Can you give me this verse in New Living Translation, if it's possible? For his, for, for, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Continue. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Christ. So it is this unfailing love, his grace, that brought, brought us this, all this abundance of blessing. That's what you should know as a Christian. This abundance of blessing, this abundance of gifts, this heap upon heap that is coming through Christ is what you should know and believe and experience them in your life. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Precious Father, we want to thank you again for pointing us to Jesus, away from teachers of the law, away from the theologians, and away from the blinding of Satan, into the marvelous light of Christ, into the work and revelation of your spirit. For only the truth will set us free. Christ, Moses brought the law. We didn't bring us abundance of blessings, but Jesus brought grace so that it's abundance of unmerited favor in him. Abundance of healing, abundance of restoration. The mystery of life has been brought to us. Mystery of life that we can walk in power, that we can walk in victory, that we can walk in glory, that we cannot be put to shame because we believe in him, that we can walk in health, that we can resist the devil, 
that this sin is no more our master. Jesus is now our Lord. That's what you brought to us. Abundance of grace. Testimonies of the Holy Spirit concerning your son. I pray that you help us really to refocus to Jesus and hear the Spirit of God reveal the glory of God in Christ for us, which was revealed for our own good. So we'll enjoy them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.